Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Many people are involved in the world of nonprofits, but few have been the kind of pillar in the nonprofit community that have stood the test of time. Miriam Nolan is one of those pillars, and at the end of this year, her 36 years of leadership at the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan will come to a close. Here to talk with me about the lessons she's learned along the way, what she's most proud of, and her outlook on the future of this region as she approaches her retirement is Miriam Nolan, founding president of the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. Marion, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. I'm always glad to be with you. Yes, it's great to see you. So you announced your retirement at the end of this year back in March, but now with just a few months left, I really wonder how you're feeling about stepping away. I have to say, I am still not uh, entirely in favor of this. I am still hoping you'll change your mind, but how are you feeling about all of that? Well, the time has come. I love what I do, and I think I've loved almost every day over those 36 years, so it's a hard thing to do, but it's good for the organization. Uh, The next person will take it to the next level of service to the community, and I think I'm just trying to squeeze in as much as I can in the next couple months. So uh, (laughs) ask me that question about uh, eight months from now. (laughs) Right, right. So I think there are a lot of people who don't really know what the Community Foundation is or what it does. I wonder if you can take us back to the beginning. You're the founding president of the Community Foundation. Tell us what it is and why it was begun here in Southeast Michigan. Well, the real founder was Joe Hudson. Yes. (laughs) And Joe spent about seven years really bringing the notion that Detroit was the last major metropolitan area to have a community foundation. And what's a community foundation? It really builds permanent capital, permanent endowment that benefits the seven-county region. And it works with individuals who care about their community to leave monies, to give monies into a common pool managed by volunteers uh, of the community. And Joe did it right. He recruited an outstanding board, uh, and I, I think our success is uh, because of the board. And, yes, we've grown from when I arrived. Uh, we had a promise of a million dollars, and we now have assets of a billion, too. Mm-hmm. And we give away about $100 million a year, basically to benefit the region. So we are open to any great idea. Yes, we fund nonprofit charities, mm-hmm. uh, largely not individuals, but yeah. there are exceptions to that. Yeah. So, if you're someone who lives in Southeast Michigan, talk about the place, the places that you might see the work of the Community Foundation, the way in which the Community Foundation touches people's lives. I hope it touches many people's lives every day, and it can be because we have funded a program at a healthcare center. It could be during COVID that we were funding testing. Uh, then uh, vaccination, and now mental health. It can be that we fund arts organizations that have had a really difficult time, but many have found a way to still reach out, whether it's working with young people on the arts. So health, education, 
environment. Um, we've spent a lot of time building or helping build greenways, recreation corridors. There's now hundreds of miles around southeast Michigan. Uh, and uh, we are now starting a new venture, which I'd be glad to tell you about, which we think will be a big economic development driver uh, called the Great Lakes Way. Mm -hmm. And I hope that everyone in southeast Michigan and around the world come to know the Great Lakes Way. Yeah, talk a little more about that uh, idea and that project. The Community Foundation covers from Lake Huron, Port Huron, down to Toledo. It's 160 miles of the Detroit River. There is already an existing blue way. What's a blue way? It's a it's a way that you can kayak and put you know where you put in and and, and how you get out. And there's uh, there are greenways. These are like the Riverfront Conservancy is is a is a greenway. That that's that really about half of those are in planning or in complete. So 160 miles. Call it the Great Lake Way make it compete for federal designation just as if it were uh, the Appalachian Trail or the Chesapeake Bay. Get people to understand this great asset, the Great Lakes Way. It's going to be an economic development driver, but more importantly, there's 44 communities along this. We want to reach out and help people who don't know or use the water how to get to it and have access. Uh, I hadn't announced that before. So, <laughs> so you, we're making a little news here. <laughs> <laughs> you led me down that path. <laughs> but I think it's a great example of the kind of work that community foundations do. That, that It's a little different sometimes than, than other foundations. And it's a, it's a wonderful example also of the way in which the work touches people's lives. This idea of getting people access to these wonderful natural resources that uh, that surround us. Uh, I, I want to talk just a little about philanthropy and Detroit and the relationship between the two. You've been at this for 36 years. So much has changed both about Detroit and about philanthropy uh, over that time. But, but let's talk first about the city and the ways in which it has changed over that time and uh, the things that, that philanthropy has done to be part of that change. Uh, just g give us a sense of how you're feeling about how different Detroit is and the role that the Community Foundation and many other nonprofits have played. Well, let me first do philanthropy and then tie that to Detroit. Philanthropy is, when I came in the mid-80s, this was very much a corporate philanthropic town. Mm -hmm. The major companies, good citizens, uh, set the mark. Um, and it was very much a pay-as-you-go place. Uh, we began promoting the notion of endowment, permanent monies. There was already, there were a couple major private foundations, uh, but that's changed dramatically. There are now more private foundations of scale uh, Wilson Foundation, Davidson, uh, Herb Foundation is staffed, um, and more coming on the scene. And, the, and now the community foundation's a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have a different mix. Now you have different corporations stepping up as well. And uh, they, they partially, how they do their business is part of their philanthropy. Think of uh, all of the Gilbert uh, investments mm -hmm. and others. So there's, a, there's a, a big change with the private foundations uh, playing a bigger role. 
How has the community changed? Oh, that's a that's a really difficult question. Um, it's it's been some of the best of times and some of the worst of times. Uh, it is still a cyclical economy. You know, we did have GM going bankrupt. So so all of those changes um, meant that the city and particularly um, the role of of bankruptcy in the city and and now a mayor that is really about making the city work. Mm -hmm. For Mm -hmm. many years, the city wasn't really working. The city government Uh, wasn't working, right? That's right. So now I think philanthropy has the the ability to partner Mm -hmm. uh, with the city government, uh, with the mayor on some of his initiatives in a way that we couldn't do a number of years ago. Mm. And I won't go into deep detail there, Mm. but um, philanthropy can both respond, but also identify areas where they see they can make a difference. The other thing I would say is that if you look at the full mix of of the private foundations, they cover a pretty wide range of interests. Mm -hmm. So if you come together around some of those interests, we can really try to make some good things happen. We're not always the leader. Sometimes we can really follow and help those things that are being brought to us. I think it's a pretty... Look, we're still all about trying to do good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so the physical transformation of parts of the city, I, I, when I think of those, I, I immediately go to philanthropy, which wasn't solely responsible for those, but uh, many of them wouldn't have happened, I think, without uh, philanthropic input. So if I, if I think of the riverfront, uh, if I think of the Dequinder Cut, for instance, uh, these these major differences in the way that we live in the city. Uh, you were you were there for for all of those things, and talk about how um, how philanthropy came to, to 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 play the role that it did in all of those things. Well, let's let's take Midtown. Mm-hmm. The Hudson Weber Foundation was really the lead on that, mm-hmm. um, and stuck with it mm-hmm. for a while. The Community Foundation really took on greenways, and we've been developing greenways for almost 30 years, and the DeGuinder Cut was one that we financed and worked on, um, and it's become something that's known internationally. Mm-hmm. And the Riverfront and the Riverfront Conservancy is a huge success, and now the city is putting together uh, the Joe Lowe's Greenway, mm-hmm. and linking those together around the neighborhoods is fantastic. And philanthropy will play a role in that. Um, And hopefully we can help play a role in that. So there's been some physical development. Um, It gets a little bit harder when you think about the issues around home ownership Mm -hmm. and certain neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The Fisher Foundation has a neighborhood in Brightmoor that they have really paid attention to. I guess the point I would make is that when philanthropy decides to stick with something, Mm -hmm. change doesn't happen fast. Mm. And sometimes organizations get impatient. Um, But we have really practiced taking on something and sticking with it. Um, The same is true with what we've tried to do with minority businesses, Uh, something called the New Economy Initiative, now almost 20 years, um, has actually been helping entrepreneurs develop private businesses. Mm -hmm. When we started that, um, there wasn't much talk about entrepreneurship in the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. I think that's changed for a lot of reasons. Uh, New Economy Initiative, but the city's efforts and the state and others. So um, 
uh, I think philanthropy can feel that it has had some impact. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be careful what we claim. <laughs> right. uh, but our boards care deeply. We all care deeply that what we do has lasting impact. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking with uh, Miriam Nolan. She is the founding president of the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. She has announced earlier this year that uh, she plans to step down at the end of this year. We're talking about the 36 years uh, that she's guided the Community Foundation, uh, its work, and its impact on Southeast Michigan. Uh, I want to talk a little about what I think is a pretty interesting tension in philanthropy, and that is the question uh, of whether in a city like Detroit, for instance, where... um, where the community needs are so acute in, in, in many different ways, whether philanthropy can or should step in to help where government normally would be providing services. So uh, let's just take, f- for instance, uh, uh, schools, uh, the, the idea of public schools and the need, of course, to, to make sure that public schools are adequately funded and competently run for there to be opportunity for for kids of all kinds of backgrounds to succeed uh, that's a government function in in our in our society and a lot of people would say government is not doing a, a great job of that in cities like Detroit but I know that philanthropy often says that it's not their job to supplant or replace what government was supposed to do so so talk through how those decisions get made about trying to help improve things like public schools uh, through philanthropy when, again, that's supposed to be something that government does. The question of what is realistic for private philanthropy to do when it deals with the public services that are really a responsibility of, of the public sector. Let's just step back and say that the amount of money if you take all the philanthropy in that does anything in the city of Detroit, it's a tiny amount of money when you look at the scale of whether it's health care or, or education. So you can't supplant the responsibility of the public sector, but you can play a role. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can name the foundations that are taking on, let's say, Skillman in relation to, to education. You can raise the issue, you can inform, you can advocate, um, and you can push and you can try to hold public sectors accountable for what they should be doing. And that's been true over the years, the roles that philanthropy has played. You can also target and try to make a difference in the lives of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not, let's not assume that we can really take over or supplant what we must make sure the public sector does. Mm-hmm. This sounds a bit strange, but I can remember sitting in the courtroom when the bankruptcy judge uh, gave his ruling, and he basically said to the citizens of Detroit, mm-hmm. to the philanthropy in Detroit, it is your responsibility to make sure that the public sector does its job. Mm-hmm. And they bas- he basically said, 
don't ever let this happen to you again. So I have to come back and say, philanthropy can play a role, but every individual in the city can, and maybe sometimes with help, Mm -hmm. make sure that our public services meet the standards we think they should meet. Mm-hmm. So, so there are people in Detroit who are quite critical of uh, the philanthropic sector and say that as the role has changed and, and I think it's fair to say also expanded, uh, that it's overstepped its bounds, that philanthropy has too much influence over what should be uh, public decision-making and public authority. Uh, you've, you've guided the Community Foundation uh, through, through much of that, uh, that transition. I, I wonder what you make of that assessment. It's a tough question. Um, it always depends upon where you sit, what you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, my view of the best philanthropy is when you listen to those you want to help Um, and try to respond in a way that they are with you. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't always happen. Um, Do I think that that at this point in time, philanthropy is overstepping? I think no. Mm. I think that that if there is a a void in leadership in the public sector, then perhaps philanthropy was a bit more aggressive. Mm. Um, I guess I don't... I can't totally agree with that, yeah. but yeah. Um, those who feel that way ought to step up and tell me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think the, kind of the flip side of that question is whether the philanthropic interest in moving the city forward uh, over the last, say, 10 or 12 years can sustain itself over a really long period of time. In other words, is this interest kind of a fl- not a flash in the pan because it's been longer now than that would uh, than that would suggest? But is it episodic? And uh, should we be thinking about a time when philanthropy would be less involved than it is right now? Well, I would hope that the scale of philanthropy continues to. To increase, there there is real wealth out there, and I hope they are committed to the community or to the city they care about. So I am a promoter of more philanthropy, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a promoter of those who have uh, benefited from the city, giving back to the city. Uh, you're asking me about influence. I, I'm really just trying to say more money is better yeah. <laughs> uh, because the needs are great. Um, and in fact, my job is to encourage those with wealth to to share it, either while they're alive mm-hmm. or when they pass away. Mm-hmm. And I would say that um, even the Community Foundation's growth is a testament to the fact that people care. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do we all agree with everything that someone is trying to do? Absolutely not. <laughs> Never can do that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a believer in in the positive power of philanthropy. Yeah. Uh, Miriam, it's been really great to have this conversation with you, and I, again, I'm uh, quite dismayed that you will be leaving us <laughs> soon. But, but I wonder if, before we end, if you could just talk about a few highlights uh, of your time at the Community Foundation that stand out as either 
particularly important accomplishments in uh, philanthropy or uh, just bright spots that uh, you thought it it was a good time or a good day uh, for the Community Foundation? Well, I have to start with the... I love people, and I can remember the first time that someone made a major gift. I can remember when someone who lost a child who came in and felt somewhat relieved after they had made a gift in that person's name. So for me, watching people realize their philanthropic goals is a highlight every day. Um, I... I can remember one of the reasons we got into building greenways because I was meeting with a with a mother on the east side of Detroit who told me that she would climb over the fences and gates or whatever that kept her from the waterfront to take her two kids to see the stars. And I thought, why? Why? So such a powerful image. So we started building greenways and supporting the Riverfront Conservancy because I remember this person. So I think we can say we probably made a difference in that scale. When I started, nonprofit organizations in Detroit had no endowment. Mm-hmm. And the data showed that. It was, the data we collected was so bad we never published it. We are now really helping these organizations build endowment. 200 plus are building it with us, but others are building it separately because charities need capital just like the private sector needs capital. I feel that we've had some role to play there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the DeQuinder cut, (laughs) and that was uh, something we did. Um, I do think that... The new economy initiative has made a difference in the lives of people in Detroit. Uh, so I can bring out various things. We're now doing opioid prevention. Every day is sort of an interesting day for me. If I look back on, I just want to feel that each day when I got up, I was really trying to figure out how to help somebody make it, their life a little better. Yeah. And that that was a privileged role. Yeah. I, a very privileged role, and yeah, I'll miss that, yeah. but I'm not going to stop doing that in a different way. <laughs> I, I know you well enough to know that you will find new ways to continue that. Okay, Miriam Nolan uh, of the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to raise a little money, and then when you come back, we're going to talk about a documentary that is screening right now as part of the Freep Film Festival about a small-town rural Iowa community newspaper that won a Pulitzer Prize in 2017 but is still fighting to survive. We're going to talk about the film Storm Lake with one of its directors and the editor of the Storm Lake Times. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.